Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, a weekly roundup of the best of bailiwick sport. And what a week it has been. We've seen Ala Chalmers seal a third straight British title and with it a place at next month's World Athletics Championships in Oregon. Alex Scott score for England as they beat Italy to reach the final of the European Under-19 Championship. And to top it off, Heather Watson's matched her best ever performance at Wimbledon. She had an emotional first round win on Tuesday and she did it again today to reach round three reaction to all of those to come plus we'll talk a bit of water polo a bit of cricket and i'm sure plenty more besides uh, i'm tony kerr and with me is the guernsey press sports editor gareth the prevo hi tony and his colleague on the top table here at the guernsey press jamie ingrell hi tony uh, good to see you guys um i mean where to start really uh, maybe it should be with the tennis because um what a week it's been for heather watson <laughs> and she hasn't made it easy for you though gareth as uh, the man putting the paper together i know i've had a few late nights sort of waiting to see if she even was going to get on court although i was, I was, I was almost quite grateful on when Wednesday night when she didn't serve out the match because actually helped me because I, I might have had to rearrange my whole back page if she'd have won on Wednesday night and then for her to come back today on court and take all of eight minutes to actually to get through to the third round it's, it's worked out quite well for us in terms of um, our deadlines and what have you but it's just it's just great to see how they're playing sort of so well again and just she's obviously just really enjoying it being she's obviously just a, a big stage performer she loves having that crowd and she gets so much adrenaline and buzz out of uh, out of a British crowd and uh, uh, no, I mean I've, I've watched her matches so far, and she's been been playing really well against some, some decent opposition. So it's great that um, she's she's still going. Yeah, looking really good. Um, she dropped her first set in the first round against Germany's Tamara Korpach, um, but came back uh, to win that uh, over the course of a couple of days. It was one set all after the, the first day when that one was because um, that one got moved to court one, which it was a bit of a. It was a bit of a shame because I don't think the court one um, crowd that had been there previously actually realised that there was going to be a match move there. And it, it, there's a lot of empty seats, although it actually sounded like quite a good atmosphere through the through the television. But, um, uh, yeah, it could have been an even bigger crowd, which is a bit unfortunate. But, um, yeah, and then Heather came back there. The next day to, to win that deciding, I mean, for what had been a really sort of hard fought match on the on the Monday evening, Heather then cruised through on the on the Tuesday in the deciding set. She won that pretty comfortably and looked really good. Yeah, yeah, and it was quite touching afterwards. Uh, on court interview, um, she was pretty emotional, uh, and you know you could see what it meant to her to be yeah sort of yeah on that stage with that support um albeit you know there could have been some more people in there I'm sure um but just to be a winner at Wimbledon again um because she has had such a testing few years obviously everyone has with the pandemic and she sort of acknowledged that but yeah as a player herself this is as far as she's got this week um at a Grand Slam in five years so just to be back in the in the midst and playing well, or, or, you know, at the world's greatest tournament. It, yeah, she was very emotional, wasn't she? Well, yeah, she's like she said herself. She, she's very much a people person, Heather. So sort of everyone had their, their difficulties through through the pandemic, but um, it certainly wouldn't have been easy for her just to be in bubbles, not around people, and just just to be able to sort of perform like that in front of a nice crowd with so much backing. Um, she was speaking really well, and then it, I think just the the enormity of what she had just done sort of hit her, and yeah, and. Um, she she was very tearful, but it, it, it was it was um, it was really nice to see sort of what it meant to her, and then to follow it up with a second round win over over a player who not long ago was the world number twelve. I mean that's a, that's a really impressive performance. Yeah, absolutely. As I say, um, her best Grand Slam performance in five years. 
the big question now is, can she go one better than she's ever done before and get to the second week of a slam? It would be a cathartic moment if she could do it, I'm sure. It would be. I must admit, I was shouting at John Inverdale through my television <laughs> when, when he started talking in a second round match of, um, of that sort of quarter of the draw opening up a bit because the seeds had been falling and it, it was almost like her best chance ever to reach the, the second week of Wimbledon. Um, I'm a great believer in commentators' kiss of death and I wasn't very happy when he started. But um, yeah, fingers crossed that, um, that she can just keep the levels of performance high and... Um, I, I think she's got as good a chance as she's ever had to, to win a third round match because she usually, in previous third rounds, has come up against a, a seed and um, this time round uh, it won't be, on paper, quite as difficult but it will undoubtedly be another a tough test again. Yeah, absolutely. She plays Slovenia's Kaya Juvan, um, who's ranked 62 in the world. So on paper, as you say, she's, she, you know, that's that's a overall a kind draw that she's been dealt so far and if she can take advantage of it it would be phenomenal yeah and you sort of hope I mean I'm not the one who puts the um, who allocates courts but you sort of hope she'll be on a, a, at least a, a court with a decent sized crowd because she certainly feeds off that and um, whether it's I mean court 18 it's funny the way the camera angle is it doesn't look that big but then you realize that the camera's on on the big stand at court 18 and there's a lot of people around so um yeah, if she if she gets the backing of the of the Brits there, um, she'll be in with a, a good shout, I'm sure. Yeah, brace yourself for another epic, another two day. Kind it's of still horrible affected. to watch. <laughs> it's it's one of those things watching Heather. She sort of it's a real roller coaster of emotions for any Guernsey person because we're all supporting her. We all want her to do well. So um, yeah, let's just fingers crossed we we get a few more days like that and not just one. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, that one not done and dusted by any means. Um, certainly for Alex Scott at the Euro Under-19 Championships uh, over in Slovakia. That one isn't done and dusted. Uh, England threw to a final, and he played a huge role in getting the young Lions there, uh, having uh, featured for the full 90 minutes in their final two group games. The uh, Bristol City star came off the bench against Italy in the semi-final and scored with his first touch, pretty much, heading in Alfie Devine's corner to level it uh, for England, who then went on to find the winner in the final 10 by all accounts, that might have been the first time Alex Scott's ever headed a ball anywhere. <laughs> I thought it was a bit harsh. Some of the, the the local tweets coming out after he scored that, saying that um, they wouldn't, they've never put any money on Alex Scott scoring with a header. But um, I do think most of the time he, he's the one taking the set pieces, so he's not often the one on on the end of them. But um, his, I mean, he had just come on. Perhaps Italy weren't even aware of sort of his threat there. But he, he ghosted into the box and he met it. He met that corner absolutely perfectly. And um, yeah, I was right in the middle of tweeting the fact that he'd only just come on and he'd scored. So I had to sort of, with my fat fingers, start deleting all my words and start saying he'd come on and scored. So um, I must admit, I, I did uh, give a quick cheer as that went in. And um, yeah, he went on to play a really big part for the rest of that game because he, he just looked in what was a high-pressure situation in the semi-final, certainly after England took the lead as well in the last sort of... I mean, they took the lead in the 82nd minute, but they played seven minutes, I think, of added time. So it was a quarter of an hour to go. And considering Italy were obviously going to bombard them after that, he just looked so calm. Every time he got the ball, he was aware of what's going on around him. The composure just to slow everything down, find a teammate and and win free kicks in sort of a very professional manner it just, just shows um, just the quality he has, really. Yeah, it seems like... 
absolutely the kind of player you'd want on your team in that situation where you, you need a sort of level head, someone who's technically capable of sort of getting out of any situation almost. Yeah, he doesn't get flustered. And um, he did actually, um, I, I was chatting with Tony Vance uh, the following day and he, Alex picked up a booking late in the game. And I, I said, that's the sort of booking I don't mind someone getting because he was supporting a teammate. It was a, it was a pretty hideous challenge on, on one of the England players by, by an Italian opponent. And Alex was sort of straight there, basically standing over his own teammate, protecting him. Uh, I thought the booking was a bit harsh in that regard, but um, that's I don't mind a booking in that situation because uh, it shows he's got his teammates back and um, and he's just prepared to put everything on the line so that England got through to the final. I mean, it, it's an amazing thing. You know, we, we've spoken about Alex Scott so much in the last year or two uh, on these podcasts and, and in the paper as well. And, uh, you know, everyone in Guernsey has, I suppose. But... Uh, it's it's almost like there's just it keeps on going, doesn't it? You know, you think well, he got into the England under 18s quite early, and you thought, well, was he just being given a cap to kind of keep him in the system, if you like? And then suddenly he's like, yeah, here he is in the final of the under 19 championship. You know, England won this tournament in 2017 for the first time since it had turned from under 18 to 19. So that's been about 20 odd years. Um, you know, that that was a team that Mason Mount was starring in, and you look at the names that have played for England in these tournaments before, he's right in the mix. Yeah, and uh, without wanting to play us down, Tony, but um, when guys uh, in the media like Henry Winter, who's sort of uh, renowned for for his uh, work with the Times, whatever, when he's talking to Alex and featuring him in, in the national press like he was in articles which basically saying most of the Premier League clubs had their scouts there looking out for talent, um, it just shows where Alex is performing now and... Um, as uh, Tony Vance will always tell you, whatever challenge is put in front of him, he just accepts it and he, he just seems to thrive off it and he's just getting better and better. It's great to see. Did make me laugh after the goal as well. He's already got the kind of funky handshake with the teammates. He's, he's definitely not afraid of, of the on-field, uh, you know, kind of excesses, if you like, of the modern game. They obviously work on these things in training as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. as, as well as the set-piece set piece routine, they also work on their celebrations. So, oh, fair play to him. If it, not as long as, long as they keep winning, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Not something he'd have done in front of Jamie Dodd, I'm sure. <laughs> Doddy would have just raised his eyebrow and walked away, I think. Uh, no, but it is amazing to see. Obviously, we wish uh, Alex all the best and, and his England teammates as well. It's live on uh, BBC Sport, well, on the website and on um, the red button, I think, or, or via the iPlayer. Um, on Friday night, uh, England against Israel. Obviously, Israel beating uh, France in the other semi-final, you know, on paper, that sounds like a bit of a shock, given the, the sort of powerhouse that French football is. Well, I think it was. I mean, France sort of won their group relatively comfortably. They beat Italy, I think, 4-1. And England had beaten Israel in, in their last group game. So it was certainly... It, it, Israel were certainly underdogs going into that game. But, um, yeah, it, you can't take anything for granted in the final. So England will have to be sort of on their game. But, um, yeah, fingers crossed they get the job done and Alex will be a, a winner on the international stage. Yeah, quite amazing. All eyes on that one. Seven o'clock on Friday night. Um, let's move on to athletics now, Jamie. You've been sitting there very patiently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but what a week it's been for Ala Chalmers. He went uh, up to Manchester last weekend and uh, brought home a third British title, his third in a row. And with that sealed his spot, individual spot in the World Athletics Championships, which are taking place in Oregon next month. An astonishing achievement and a, a, another one to sort of add to the list that he's kind of racking up pretty rapidly at the moment. Yeah, um, phenomenal. Uh, 
Allah is obviously a big race performer. He's shown that time and time again. But uh, within the British Championships, this year's field is definitely the strongest it's been against. Uh, guys like Chris McAllister, Jacob Paul, Seamus Derbyshire, all running really well at the moment. So, but Allah actually made light relatively light work of them um the time doesn't tell their full story uh, if you watch the race you would have seen he actually appeared to ease down quite a lot before the line and even he admits to that <laughs> he said it was about enjoying the moments he posted a staging record of 49.21 seconds which aside from his breakthrough in belgium the previous month is the quickest time he's ever done and yeah with those sort of times behind him showing some consistency now and all the big races lined up world's commonwealth europeans the fact that he's a big race performer, I'll, I'll personally be hoping for a lot from him. Yeah, so the, it's almost like a dream schedule really to unfold in front of him when you're in that kind of form, I'd imagine. Um, it, it was interesting, you know, the quotes that, that you included in your article um, from Ala at the start of the week. Talk about Chris Akabusi's British record, which is now well in sight. So, I mean, have you done the, uh, done the maths? Have you crunched the numbers about kind of where Ala stacks up heading into that World Championships? He's got a good shot at least making the semi-finals. Uh, beyond that, it's anyone's guess. But yeah, I'm sure we'll really step up to the atmosphere. And he wasn't the only Guernsey competitor there. It did look like pretty tough conditions and a couple of tough lane draws for Peter Curtis and Abby Galpin. Yeah, just generally, it's, their fields were very strong. Like it is for British Championships and certainly this year, like as more and more... We've pretty much come back to normality from COVID. I know in 2020, it's quite a bit quieter. 2021, it was strong fields, but not quite to the degree that we might have got this year. Um, Abby was against some really world-class runners. Like, <laughs> pretty much all of Britain's top 200-metre runners, aside from world champion Dina Asher-Smith, who's already got a ticket to this year's Worlds. But she also had a lot of people stepping up from 100 metres, contesting her event which pushed her down further but it's still a valiant effort she came close to her quickest ever time and same again in the 400 meter hurdles where obviously Alla excelled Peter who's again a young still improving athlete he didn't progress beyond the heats on this occasion but hopefully he's another person who can step it up again in the future yeah and good to see them in the mix am I right in saying it was Abby's first British championships yep um, so yeah, good, um, a good sort of milestone for her uh, ahead of a big few weeks, obviously uh, with Commonwealth Games to come. Just look at the diary then, uh, the World Championships, uh, as I say, next month, the heats of the 400 hurdles uh, in which Ala Chalmers will be going uh, 20 past nine our time on the 16th of July. So mark your cards. That's a Saturday night. I might not Saturday be night. <laughs> might be watching that in the swan. <laughs> um, Other yeah. pubs are available. <laughs> right. Yeah, fantastic stuff on the athletics front. Uh, let's talk cricket now, Gareth. The, the big event of the summer, as far as Guernsey's men are concerned, uh, is creeping up pretty fast. They're off to Finland for the first stage of the um, qualifiers for the T20 World Cup. Um, and they've named their squad. Yeah, it's, it's literally come out um, this afternoon, Tony. And... Um, there's no great surprises. It's it's very largely the, the group who played against Jersey in the Interinsula, but um, with the welcome return of um, Jason Martin as wicketkeeper, because he he obviously had his Marathi footballing commitments when um, the Interinsula cricket was on as well. And um, Adam Martel is back, um, having suffered an injury earlier in the season. He's back in the squad, so um, it's pretty much I reckon about as strong as it could be, which is is great going into um, a tournament like that, and also. Um, it's great to see 
most of those guys, well, pretty much everyone of those guys, in re- really good form on the domestic scene recently. I mean, there's guys such as Tom Nightingale and um, and Josh Butler, the captain himself, who's been scoring a lot of runs. Luke Lazice has obviously been in good form as well. Um, Luke Bishaw's just come back from injury and he, he's picked up from where he left off. Um, yeah, it's, it's looking like a, a squad in form and uh, hopefully they can do the business once they get to Helsinki. And they're going to be itching to go, aren't they? Because they've had to wait well, best part of three years or whatever it is um, for for this trip to Finland. So yeah, yeah it's it's funny the Finland one. I think they've, this is is third time lucky. They've had it postponed twice in 2020 and 2021. Um, I sort of I put that to um, Captain Josh Butler um, just recently, and and he he said he was actually probably more excited going to Spain at the start of the season because they hadn't been away for so long. This one is very much down to business. This is the important one. So. Um, uh, he wants to make sure they're ready to perform and um, certainly the domestic form suggests that they are. That tournament, one of three um, at, at that sort of level of European cricket with the winner of each going on to um, play in the European final. I mean, it's, it's a tough ask. We'll have a full preview in the next couple of weeks um, yeah, when we speak to the guys. Um, but that, yeah, the, the first of those tournaments getting underway this week. So, um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to follow uh, over the next few weeks. Um, over in Jersey today, uh, we've had the return of the uh, inter-college game um, yeah, hosted at, at Victoria College. And it turned into a pretty close one in the end, going the way of the Jersey side. But um, fantastic to see that old institution back. Yes, yeah, um, takes me back to my old school days. Of, that was the big game of the year. Everyone looked forward to it. And it's, it's great that it's back on the agenda. Um, it was played over 34 overs today, I think, because of the, the travel um, issue and what have you um, but yeah um, Victoria made 179 with Charlie Brennan who was part of the Jersey side when they came over for the Interinsular T20s so he's obviously a, a quality player he hits the ball very hard he, he top scored for them today and then um, Elizabeth College came within seven runs of uh, eight runs sorry of, of chasing it down Marcus Thomas um, making 40 and uh, I think Peter Birch also made 47 so um, they gave it a good shot it looks like a really good game from from how I was able to follow it on the on the internet um, just just unable to get across the line at the end yeah it sounded like a really uh, really the tasty cameo from Marcus Thomas at the end almost getting them there three sixes in his in his 40. Typically, um, strike rate of near enough 200. So <laughs> that's, that's how Marcus plays the game. And he, he's just a clean striker of the ball. And it's, it's, it's great to see him again performing on that sort of stage. Yeah, great effort over there um, today. And there's a big game this weekend, uh, the weekend championship being decided. Yeah, basically, it's, it's the last game of the, the championship. Griffins are leading, having won all their games so far. But um, the old Elizabeth, uh, Elizabethan Association can overtake them if they beat them on Sunday at the college field. Uh, Griffins came out on top of a, a really good game last week. It turned out to be a really good game. The, the weather tried its best to disrupt it. And um, I'm never quite sure why Duckworth, Lewis, Stern method sets such targets as it does. But they were given quite a, quite a tough one to chase, actually, considering um, how well they did in the field, Griffins. They then were asked to chase quite a lot down. And um, it was a brilliant innings by Captain Tom Cook that got him over the line. He hit 83 not out and um, struck the ball really cleanly. Um, it was a, it was actually a good day for both captains because Josh Butler also made eighty odd nod out before the rain came. So um, it, there was a lot of quality batting at KG five last week, but um, yeah, Oes could. Um, I, I don't think I think it might be a bit harsher call it a shock if they were to beat Griffins. I think, but um, they they could certainly cause them a scare, and um, you never know. It, I think they'd have to overturn net run rate by quite a lot, but. 
these things can happen and uh, it should be a really good game on Sunday. Yeah, anything can happen. A busy weekend um, sort of all over the island, really. I'm going to be popping down to the bathing pools on Saturday where we're going to see the return of competitive water polo uh, after some 50 years, Guernsey Water Polo um, hosting four teams from England uh, as well as Jersey's men uh, for a sort of full afternoon of action uh, in the pool. I went down and um, got a bit of footage with them training, practicing with the, the senior goals that they've just got in um, in the ladies' pool last week. Uh, a, a few of the team finding the water, I think, a little fresher than St. Sampson's <laughs> high school pool. It must be a bit of a shock to the system after you've been training in, in a proper school pool for that long and then to get into the bathing pools. But I'm, I'm sure it'd be an enjoyable weekend for them. Yeah, I mean, it is warming up nicely. Um, but yeah, having to sort of get in and out uh, yes, for several stints of sort of 15, 20 minutes in the pool, um, you know, it will present a, a slightly different test. But it's uh, yeah, such a spectacular backdrop down there. I'm sure it is going to be a fantastic day. I think it gets underway at about midday and runs all afternoon. Um, well, one of the players who's going to be involved is uh, Brian Chapman, um, who had a chat with down there, 77 years old. He's been playing water polo uh, since the 1950s. And I mean, he would put me to shame uh, in the pool. Um, it was fantastic to see him uh, practicing. And as I say, I grabbed a little chat with him just to find out a bit about the history of water polo down at La Valette um, and just uh, a bit about how he's feeling about seeing competitive action return down there. Well, I've been playing water polo down at the pool since Udum 1950, 1950s, uh, <laughs> a long time. <laughs> What was it like back in those days, 50s, 60s and early 70s? I mean, how big an occasion were the matches down here? Well, there were big occasions. We always had one team coming across. This particular Saturday, this will be a tournament. This will be the first tournament that has ever been held in this pool. We've had many matches against Jersey, Metropolitan Police, British universities, several clubs. But this will be the first time that we'll have more than one club involved. That's really exciting for you. I mean, how does it feel to see, yeah, yeah, as you say, a tournament like that being held here in the sort of newly refurbished pool? Well, I'm just very lucky. I can still play. <laughs> and what is it about the sport of water polo that has kept you involved all these years? Oh, I enjoy it. I played in England for 15 years. I left Guernsey in 82, uh, sorry, in uh, 67, came back in 82. Kept a few tournaments going over here, but in Beausajour and uh, Two years ago we had an experiment to try in here and it went okay. Last year we had a few matches with junior goals. This year we have the senior goals. So let's hope for senior things. Yeah, fantastic. And as a sport, um, how would you describe it? I mean, for people who haven't played, how tough is it? Um, you have to be reasonably fit, be able to have a reasonable strength of swimming, uh, be able to throw the ball <laughs> and yeah, be reasonably robust, I'd say. Yeah, great. And, and for someone who's been involved so long, it seems like water polo in Guernsey in the last few years has come on leaps and bounds. I mean, that must be hugely heartening for you. It has, because uh, a few years ago, Casey came across. Uh, we, she actually ran something at Beausajour. I helped her. Then I was lucky enough to get into the schools teaching water polo as a volunteer <laughs> with two of the older water polo players and that really has stemmed really what's happened we're going now and let's hope we keep going fantastic and do you hope this will be the first of many tournaments many matches that we'll be uh, seeing in here i hope so we've booked it for another seven occasions this year in the summer obviously it'll only be summer play but yeah 
we've booked it and uh, we're going to play it. Yeah, awesome. Just finally, I mean, we've got some of the old photos of, of what it used to look like back in the day. I think yeah. floodlights and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I mean, was there a real buzz around the place when oh, there were yeah. matches? We used right? to have often as many as 3,000 people down here. On a Sunday evening when the pubs weren't open and the visitors were here, they had nowhere to go other than <laughs> come down and watch us. Yeah. Brian Chapman speaking to me there. Uh, what a nice chap. It's going to be really fun to see how they get on um, on Saturday. And so get down and support um, the water polo if you're looking for something different uh, this weekend. Jamie, where are you going to be? I'm going to be catching the start of the week-long tour of Guernsey cycling stage race. Um, it's annually a pretty popular event and organisers have got a few tricks up their sleeves this year. Um, starting with a quite novel first stage, which unfortunately I'm not able to reveal the location of, but stay tuned. And we also have uh, two stages in one day on the Tuesday, which will make it <laughs> quite interesting action. Yeah, I like the mystery of it. Are they, are they, are they, are they just going to be sort of bursting onto the runway or something? Is it, is it illegal? Maybe. You'll have to, you'll have to find out. <laughs> well, yeah, that's definitely going to be um, one to watch then. Mountain bikes, this is, isn't it? Yeah, um, and just beyond the new additions we have got quite a lot of tried and tested popular stages like you go down into the uh, german underground hospital for a bit of action in the dark uh, there's also the popular dop hill as you call it uh, up and down rone quarry complete with a new mountain bike trail which looks quite testing so yeah be interesting to see how people get on have you ever been down to the underground hospital for a bit of action in the dark Gareth? <laughs> not yet I'm, i might check it out next week <laughs> Um, no, it is a really, uh, really fun event, that, isn't it? And um, yeah, I mean, a, a amazing kind of variety of terrains they've got uh, at their disposal. Um, we should also mention, just to return to football, the BWCI Festival this weekend, um, the Minis uh, Soccer Festival, which runs across both days. I think um, there's a team from Jersey and then Bristol City, uh, the, the visiting sides. Um, that one usually uh, a kind of packed uh, weekend and a very busy one. Um, down there so um, so we'll have more from that um, probably on next week's pod and certainly in the paper um, right that's it I think for now uh, what a fantastic week for Guernsey Sport um, yeah and it's not over yet um, definitely make sure you tune in um, to see Alex Scott playing for England under 19s um, on Friday night Heather Watson in the third round of Wimbledon um, next week we'll be talking about all of that hopefully still uh, reveling in um, Sarnian success on those two fronts uh, we'll also be looking ahead to the Island Games sort of year to go visit um, the International Island Games Association delegates over um, to tour the venues and and I guess kind of celebrate the year to go mark um, so we'll have uh, a bit of chat on that and I'm sure plenty more besides so uh, yeah thanks very much um, as ever, give us a follow on social media at GSY Press Sport. It's the place to go on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and pick up a paper six days a week for the very best local sports coverage. Um, yeah, cheers, guys. Cheers, cheers Tony. Tony.